First of all, my apologies for a slight delay in uh, giving you the next part of this story. We are in the throes of moving house, so I do apologize and also in advance for any delays in future episodes. It shouldn't be long, but uh, I just wanted to let you know. And so on we continue with the Arabian Nights and the 48th night. The following night, Dinarzad said, Sister, if you're not sleepy, tell us what happened to the envious and the envied. Shahrazad replied, Very well. I heard, O king, that the second dervish said to the girl that he told the demon, One day, as the envied rode with his royal equipage at the head of his princes, viziers, and the lords of the realm, his eyes fell on the envious. He turned to one of his viziers and commanded, Bring me that man, but do not alarm him or frighten him. The vizier left and came back with the envious neighbour. The king said, Give him one thousand weights of gold from my treasury, provide him with twenty loads of goods he trades in, and send him with an escort to his own town. Then the envied bade him farewell, and went away without reproaching him for what he had done to him. I said to the demon, O demon, consider the mercy of the envied on the envious, who had envied him from the beginning, borne him great malice, pursued him, followed him, and thrown him into the well to kill him. Yet the envied did not respond in kind. But instead of punishing the envious, he forgave him, and treated him magnanimously. Then, O oh my lady, I wept until I could weep no more, and recited the following verses. Pardon my crime, for every mighty judge is used to mercy some offenders show. I stand before you guilty of all sins, but you the ways of grace and mercy know. For he who seeks forgiveness from above should pardon the offenders here below. The demon replied, I will not kill you, but in no way will I pardon you and let you go unharmed. I have spared you from death, but I will put you under a spell. Then he snatched me up, and flew with me upward until the earth appeared like a white cloud. Soon he set me down on a mountain, and, taking a little dust, mumbled some incantation and sprinkled me with the dust, saying, Leave your present form, and take the form of an ape. At that very instant I became an ape, and he flew away and left me behind. When I saw that I was an ape, I wept for myself, and blamed life, which is fair to none. Then I descended the mountain, and found a vast desert, over which I journeyed for a month until I reached the seashore. As I stood on the shore, looking at the sea, I saw in the offing a ship sailing under a fair wind and cleaving the waves. I went to a tree, and breaking off a branch, began to signal the ship with it, running back and forth, and waving the branch to and fro, but being unable to speak or cry out for help, I began to despair. Suddenly the ship turned, and began to sail toward the shore, and when it drew near, 
I found that it was a large ship full of merchants and laden with spices and other goods. When the merchants saw me, they said to the captain, "'You have risked our lives and property for an ape who brings bad luck with him wherever he goes.' One of them said, "'Let me kill him.' Another said, "'Let me shoot him with an arrow.' And a third said, "'Let us drown him.' When I heard what they said, I sprang up and held the hem of the captain's gown like a suppliant, as my tears began to flow over my face. The captain and all the merchants were amazed, and some of them began to feel pity for me. Then the captain said, "'Merchants, this ape has appealed to me for protection, and I have taken him under my care.' Let none of you hurt him in any way, lest he become my enemy. Then he treated me kindly, and I understood whatever he said and did his bidding, although I could not respond to him with my tongue. For fifty days the ship sailed on before a fair wind, until we came to a great city, vast and teeming with countless people. No sooner had we entered the port and cast anchor, then we were visited by messengers from the king of that city. They boarded the ship and said, "'Merchants, our king congratulates you on your safe arrival, sends you this roll of paper, and bids each of you write one line on it. For the king's vizier, a man learned in state affairs and a skilled calligrapher, has died, and the king has sworn a solemn oath that he will appoint none in his place, save one who can write as well as he could. Then they handed the merchants a roll of paper, ten cubits long and one cubit wide, and each of the merchants who knew how to write wrote a line. When they came to the end, I snatched the scroll out of their hands, and they screamed and scolded me, fearing that I would throw it into the sea or tear it to pieces. But I signed to them that I wanted to write on it, and they were exceedingly amazed, saying, "'We have never yet seen an ape write.' The captain said to them, "'Let him write what he likes. If he merely scribbles, I'll beat him and chase him away. But if he writes well, I will adopt him as my son, for I have never seen a more intelligent or a better-behaved ape. I wish that my son had this ape's understanding and good manners.' Then I held the pen dipped it in the ink-pot, and in Ruka script wrote the following lines. Time's record of the favours of the great has been effaced by your great favour. Of you, your children, God will not deprive, you being to grace both mother and father. Then under these, in Muhakik script, I wrote the following lines. His pen has showered bounty everywhere, and without favour favoured every land. Yet even the Nile which destroys the earth cannot its ink use with such mighty hand. And in Raihani script I wrote the following lines. I swore whoever uses me to write by the one peerless everlasting God, that he would never any man deny with one of the pen's strokes his livelihood. Then, in Naski script, I wrote the following lines. There is no writer who from death will flee, 
but what his hand has written time will keep. Commit to paper nothing, then, except what you would like on Judgment Day to see. Then, in Thuluth script, I wrote the following lines. When the events of life our love condemned and painful separation was our end, we turned to the inkwell's mouth to complain, and voiced with the pen's tongue our parting's pain. Then in Tumar script I wrote the following lines. When you open the inkwell of your boon and fame, let the ink be munificence and grace. Write good and generous deeds while write you can, both pen and sword such noble deeds will praise. Then I handed them the scroll, and they took it back in amazement. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said, Sister, what an amazing and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night? if I stay alive. The Forty-Ninth Night The following night, Dinazad said, Sister, tell us the rest of the story. Shahrazad replied, Very well. It is related, O happy king, that the second dervish said to the girl, The messengers took the scroll and returned with it to the king. And when he looked at it, my writing pleased him, and he said, Take this robe of honour, and this she-mule to the master of these seven scripts. The men smiled, and seeing that their smiling had made the king angry, they said, O oh, king of the age and sovereign of the world, the writer of these lines is an ape. The king asked, Is it true what you say? They replied, Yes, by your bounty. The writer is an ape. The king was greatly amazed and said, I wish to see this ape. Then he dispatched his messengers with the she-mule and the robe. Dress him with this robe, place him on the she-mule and bring him to me together with his master. As we sat on board, we saw the king's messengers suddenly appear again. They took me from the captain dressed me with a robe, and, placing me on the she-mule, walked behind me in a procession, which caused a great commotion in the city. Everyone came out, crowding to gaze at me and enjoy the spectacle. By the time I reached the king, the whole city was astir, and the people were saying to each other, "'The king has taken an ape for vizier!' When I entered into the presence of the king, I prostrated myself and then stood up and bowed three times. Then I kissed the ground once before the chamberlains and statesmen and knelt on my knees. Those who were present marvelled at my fine manners, most of all the king himself, who said, This is a wonder. Then he gave permission to his retinue to leave, and everyone left save for the king, one servant, one little mamluk, and myself. Then he ordered a table of food set before him, and motioned to me to eat with him. I rose, kissed the ground before him, and after I washed my hands seven times, I sat back on my knees, and, as good manners require, took only a little to eat.
Then I took a pen and an inkwell, and over a board wrote the following lines. Wail for the crane well stewed in tangy sauce, mourned for the meat, either well baked or fried. Cry for the hens and daughters of the grouse, and the fried birds, even as I have cried. Two different kinds of fish are my desire, served on two loaves of bread, zestful though plain, while in the pan that sizzles o'er the fire the eggs like rolling eyes fry in their pain. The meat when grilled, oh, what a lovely dish, served with some pickled greens, that is my wish. Tis in my porridge I indulge at night, when hunger gnaws under the bracelet's light. O oh, soul, be patient, for our fickle fate oppresses one day only to elate. The king read the verses and pondered. Then they removed the food, and the butler set before us a choice wine in a glass flagon. The king drank first and offered me some. I kissed the ground before him, took a sip, and wrote the following lines over the flagon. For my confession they burned me with fire, and found that I was for endurance made. Hence I was born high on the hands of men, and given to kiss the lips of pretty maid. When the king read the verses, he marvelled, and said, If a man had such cultivation, he would excel all the men of his time. Then he set before me a chessboard, and with a sign asked, Do you play? I kissed the ground before him, and nodded, Yes. Then the two of us arranged the pieces on the board and played a game, and it was a draw. We played a second game, and I won. Then we played for the third time, and I attacked and won again, and the king marvelled at my skill. Once more I took the inkwell and the pen, and over the chessboard wrote the following lines. Two armies all day long with arms contend, bringing the battle always to a head. But when night's cover on them does descend, the two go sleeping in a single bed. As the king read these lines, he was overwhelmed with admiration and delight, and said to the servant, O oh, Mukbil, go to your lady, Sit al Husn, and tell her that her father the king summons her to come and look at this strange ape, and enjoy this wonderful spectacle. The eunuch disappeared and came back a while later with the king's daughter. When she entered and saw me, she veiled her face and said, "'Oh, father, have you lost your sense of honour to such a degree that you expose me to men?' Astonished, the king asked, "'Daughter, there is no one here, save this little Mamluk, this your mentor who brought you up, and I your father. From whom do you veil your face?' She replied, "'From this young man, who has been cast under a spell by a demon who is the son of Satan's daughter. He turned him into an ape after he killed his own wife, the daughter of Aftimarus, king of the Ebony Island. This, whom you think an ape, is a wise, learned, and well-mannered man, a man of culture and refinement.' The king was amazed, and looking at me asked, "'Is it true what my daughter said?' I replied with a nod, yes, 
Then he turned to his daughter and asked, "'For God's sake, daughter, how did you know that he is enchanted?' She replied, "'Oh, father, there was with me from childhood a wily and treacherous old woman who was a witch. She taught me witchcraft, and I copied and memorized seventy domains of magic, by the least of which I could within the hour transport the stones of your city beyond Mount Cuff and beyond the ocean that surrounds the world. The king was amazed, and said to his daughter, O oh daughter, may God protect you. You have had such a complete power all this time, yet I never knew it. By my life, deliver him from the spell, so that I may make him vizier and marry you to him. She replied, with the greatest pleasure. Then she took a knife. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinazad said, Sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The Fiftieth Night The following night, Dinazad said to her sister, Shahrazad, Sister, if you are not sleepy, tell us one of your lovely little tales. Shahrazad replied, Very well. I heard, O king, that the second dervish said to the girl, the king's daughter took a knife engraved with names in Hebrew characters, and drawing a perfect circle in the middle of the palace hall, inscribed on it names in Kufic letters, as well as other talismanic words. Then she muttered charms and uttered spells, and in a short time the world turned dark until we could no longer see anything and thought that the sky was falling on our heads. Suddenly we were startled to see the demon descending in the semblance of a lion as big as a bull, and we were terrified. The girl cried, "'Get away, you dog!' The demon replied, "'You traitor! You have betrayed me and broken the oath. Have we too not taken an oath that we neither should cross the other?' She said, "'Cursed one, how could I keep a pledge with one like you?' The demon cried, Then take what you have brought on yourself. And with an open mouth he rushed toward the girl, who quickly plucked a hair from her head, and as she waved the hair in the air and muttered over it, the hair turned into a keen sword-blade with which she struck the lion, cutting him in half. But while the two halves went flying, the head remained and turned into a scorpion, the girl quickly turned into a huge serpent, and the two fought a bitter battle for a long time. Then the scorpion turned into a vulture and flew outside the palace, and the girl changed into an eagle and flew after the vulture. The two were gone for a long time, but suddenly the ground split asunder, and there emerged a piebald tomcat which meowed, snorted, and snored. He was followed by a black wolf, and the two battled in the palace for a long time. 
and when the cat saw that he was losing to the wolf, he screamed, turned into a worm and crept into a pomegranate that was lying beside the fountain. The pomegranate swelled until it was big as a striped watermelon, and the wolf turned immediately into a snow-white rooster. The pomegranate flew in the air and fell on the marble floor of the raised hall, breaking to pieces, and as the seeds scattered everywhere, the rooster fell to picking them. He picked them all, save for one that lay hidden at the edge of the fountain. Then the rooster began to cry and crow, flap his wings and motion with his beak as if to ask us, are there any seeds left? But we did not understand, and he let out such a loud shriek that we thought that the palace was falling on our heads. Then the rooster chanced to turn and saw the seed at the edge of the fountain. He rushed to pick it up, but morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinarzad said, Sister, what an amazing and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if the king spares me and lets me live? The Fifty-First Night The following night, Dinazad said to her sister Shahrazad, Sister, if you are not sleepy, tell us the rest of the story. Shahrazad replied, With the greatest pleasure. I heard, O king, that the second dervish said to the girl, O lady, the rooster, glad to see the seed, rushed to pick it up. When it rolled into the fountain, became a fish, and dove into the water. The rooster turned immediately into a bigger fish, and plunged after it, and the two disappeared into the bottom of the fountain for a very long time. Then we heard loud shouts, shrieks, and howls, which made us tremble, and a while later the demon came out as a burning flame, followed by the girl, who was also a burning flame. The demon blew fire and sparks from his mouth, nostrils and eyes, and battled the girl for a long time until their flames engulfed them, and the smoke filled the palace until we were resigned to suffocate as we stood stricken by fear for our lives, certain of disaster and perdition, and as the fire raged and became more intense, we cried, There is no power and no strength save in God the Almighty, the Magnificent. Suddenly, before we could notice, the demon darted as a flame out of the fire, and with one leap stood in the hall before us, blowing fire in our faces, and the girl pursued him with a loud cry. As the demon blew fire at us, the sparks flew, and as I stood there in the semblance of an ape, one of them hit my right eye and destroyed it. A second spark hit the king, burning half of his face, including his beard and chin, and knocking out a row of his teeth. A third spark hit the servant in the chest and killed him instantly. At that moment, as we felt certain of destruction and gave ourselves up for lost, we heard a cry. God is great! God is great! 
He has conquered and triumphed. He has defeated the infidel. It was the cry of the king's daughter, who had at that very moment defeated the demon. We looked and saw a heap of ashes. Then the girl came up to us and said, Bring me a bowl of water. And crying, In the name of the Almighty God and his covenant, be yourself again. She sprinkled me with the water, and I shook and stood, a full-fledged man. Then she cried out, The fire! The fire! Oh, Father, I am going to miss you, for I have been wounded by one of the demon's arrows, and I shall not live much longer. Although I am not used to fighting demons, I had no trouble until the pomegranate broke to pieces and I became a rooster. I picked all the seeds but overlooked the one that contained the very soul of the demon. Had I picked it up, he would have died instantly, but I overlooked it. I fought him under the earth and I fought him in the sky, and every time he initiated a domain of magic, I countered with a greater domain and foiled him until I opened the domain of fire. Few open it and survive, but I exceeded him in cunning, and with God's help I killed him. God will protect you in my place. Then she implored again, The fire! The fire! But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then Dinarzad said, Sister, what an entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if I stay alive? The 52nd Night the following night, Dinazad said to her sister, Shahrazad, Sister, if you're not sleepy, tell us one of your little tales. Shahrazad replied, Very well. I heard, O king, that the second dervish said to the girl, When the king's daughter implored, The fire, the fire, her father said, Daughter, it would be a wonder if I too do not perish, for this your servant died instantly and this young man has lost an eye. Then he wept and made me weep with him. Soon the girl implored again, The fire! The fire! As a spark shot at her legs and burned them, then flew to her thighs, then to her bosom, while she kept crying out, The fire! The fire! Until all of her body burned to a heap of ashes. By God, mistress! I grieved sorely for her, wishing to have been a dog, an ape, or even a dead man, instead of seeing that girl fight, suffer, and burn to ashes. When the father saw that his daughter was dead, he beat his face, and as I did likewise and cried, the statesmen and the servants came in and were amazed to see two heaps of ashes and the king in a bad way. Then they attended him. And when he regained consciousness and told them about his daughter's calamity, their grief grew greater, and they mourned for her for seven days. 
Then the king bade a vaulted tomb be built over his daughter's ashes, but the demon's ashes he bade be scattered to the wind. Then the king lay ill for a full month. But when God granted him recovery, and he regained his health, and his beard grew again, he summoned me before him, and said, Young man, listen to what I have to say to you, and don't disobey me, lest you perish. I replied, My lord, tell me, for I shall never disobey an order of yours. He said, We have enjoyed the happiest of lives, safe from misfortunes of the world, until you came with your black face and brought disaster with you. My daughter died for your sake. My servant perished, and I myself barely escaped destruction. You were the cause of all this, for ever since we laid eyes on you we have been unfortunate. Would that we never saw you, for we have paid for your deliverance with our destruction. Now I want you to leave our city and depart in peace. But if I ever see you again, I will kill you. Then he yelled at me, and I went forth from his presence, dumbfounded and deaf and blind to everything. Before leaving the city, I went to the bath and shaved off my beard and eyebrows, and when I came out, I put on a black woolen robe and departed. I left the king's capital in dismay and tears, not knowing where I should go, and when I recalled everything that had happened to me, how I had entered the city and in what condition I was leaving it, my grief grew worse. O oh, mistress, every day I ponder my misfortune, the loss of my eye and the death of the two girls. I weep bitterly and repeat these verses. The Lord of mercy sees me stand perplexed, beset by ills whence came I cannot see. I will endure until I patience tire, and God fulfils my wish by his decree. I will endure until God sees that I, bitterness worse than aloes, have endured, nor would I have tasted such bitterness, had my weak patience such a test endured. Nor would I have endured such bitterness, had my weak patience endured such decree. He who says that life is made of sweetness, a day more bitter than aloes, will see. Then I journeyed through many regions and visited many countries, with the intention of reaching Baghdad, and the hope of finding someone there who could help me to the presence of the commander of the faithful, so that I might tell him my tale and acquaint him with my misfortune. I arrived here this very night and found this man, my brother, standing about. I greeted him and asked, Are you a stranger? And he replied, Yes, I am a stranger. Soon this other man joined us and said, I am a stranger. And we replied, We too are strangers like you. Then the three of us walked on, as night descended on us, until God brought us to your house. Such, then, is the cause of losing my eye and shaving off my beard. The girl said to him, Stroke your head and go. 
But he replied, By God, I will not leave until I hear the tales of the others. Then the black men untied him, and he stood by the side of the first dervish. But morning overtook Shahrazad, and she lapsed into silence. Then her sister said, Sister, what a strange and entertaining story. Shahrazad replied, What is this, compared with what I shall tell you tomorrow night, if I stay alive?